0: And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business,
1: you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode.
0: So welcome and thank you very much to our listeners for joining us on our Lead to Succeed podcast today. Now Kevin Teela is with us. Now Kevin has many, many years in leadership, going back to 1997. So he has a whole wealth of leadership knowledge and experience to share with us. And we're going to particularly focus on a favourite topic of mine today, which is sales leadership. Kevin, a big welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's great to be here, Rebecca. Thank you.
0: Well, give us a bit of an intro. Tell us your reason why. Why you are on a mission because your business is the sales code and tell us a little bit more about that. What's your mission?
1: Well, I started sales code, Rebecca, because I was on a quest myself to try and unlock potential in people I'd hired as well as myself. And I was always trying to figure out how I could harness potential. I think that's the the easiest way of saying it. I remember first kind of sales management job I had someone that I'd hired sat down with me called me into a meeting and told me that I needed to change my approach to managing him and I said well why he said well because we're all different and unique I don't need my backside kicking like Jim does and uh, I'm very much self-motivated maybe I might need some other help from you but it was that it was that insight that was a kind of an aha moment for me that that, that sent me on this quest to try and figure out what's unique and special about people so then you can lead and manage them according to the way they want to be led.
0: Ah, so that was an interesting conversation. So did that make you think, you know, what are the great traits of a leader? What do you think those might be?
1: It did. It did make me stop. Because I think at that point it was clear. I I don't consider myself to be a great leader. I'm sure I'm not. But but I am someone who's fascinated like you in great leadership. Um, and I, I would say it comes down to, for me personally, three things, self-awareness, courage, and a belief in humanity. You, you need to have self-awareness so that you can understand, you can't help, hope to help other people if you don't understand yourself first. Uh, and you need courage because as a leader, you're gonna have to make decisions, about people, principally, that's where the courage comes in. That may be difficult for them, and you need a belief in humanity. Because if you don't believe in people, you shouldn't be leading anyway. Go and do something else.
0: Well, I agree with you 100 on that self awareness. So, how do you how do you suggest people become more self aware as a leader?
1: We well, see that's the, that's that's why I called my company Sales Code. Because the, the 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 secret sales code, I believe now, particularly in an age when we've got so much artificial intelligence helping us with what I always think are the most boring parts of the sales process, the secret sales code is you. You're the unique USP that comes into a sale, apart from any product you might be selling. It's about you. It's about how you react with customers. And the way that I found out more about me to unlock my my secret code was the Gallup strengths Finder, which for those that may be watching part of this broadcast, you can see four of my top strengths on the bottom of the screen.
0: Ah, you're an achiever. You like competition. Uh, I, I, ide, idea, ideation, That's sorry, right. I struggled with that one. Ideation and relator.
1: That's right, yeah. So, those, those are the four. those are the four of my um Gallup strengths in the in the top 10 that uh, they uh, they list
0: so with those that's interesting uh kevin would you don't you say you're not a great leader and i'm sure you're putting yourself down there um what components of those do you think does make a great leader then if you don't think you are one
1: I think if I, if I look at myself, I, I encourage people to do this as a coach, actually, you have to look at yourself and try and figure out what is good about what you do and what you have. I would say that being a competitor, being very competitive, can be hugely advantageous to sales leaders. And my competition now, running a business which is helping sales leaders build great teams... The motivation there really is I want you to be the best that you can be. So my competition comes out through people I'm coaching and developing now.
0: So what makes a great leader? What do you look for?
1: Well, that's a great question. I I, I think the best way to look at great leaders, firstly, I'd start with some inspiring examples. I, I think personally, there's a sort of personal aspect to leadership for me, which is, Standing up for what you believe in. Now, in order to do that, there's two components to that. Firstly, you need to know what you believe in, and then you need to be prepared to stand up for it, right? Um, and the but the examples are, again, I've always been fascinated by sports, so i always come up with a couple of sports examples. Muhammad Ali, great boxer, not as much as what he did in the ring, which was outstanding, but what he did outside of it in giving up his world title and refusing to fight in the Vietnam War. So I think is an outstanding example of leadership you could you could look at all the famous examples Martin Luther King Nelson Mandela Ruth Bader Ginsburg supreme court justice came came into the american legal system at a time when women had no opportunity to practice law those people showed an inspiring vision and the, the inspiring vision appeals to their followers so one thing's for sure we know about leaders if you're going to be a great leader, you need to have followers that believe in you and believe in your vision. Because I'm a Gallup Strengths Coach, I look to Gallup Research to tell me what great leaders need. They surveyed thousands of companies a few years ago, came up with four things that followers want. Trust, hope, stability, and compassion. So as a leader, if you can do those four things, if if people trust in you because they believe that you believe in your vision, if you can show them that tomorrow is going to be better than today, if you can show them that you are a rock in uncertain times, and if you can prove to them that you're prepared to listen when they need help. Those are the four things that followers uh, want of their of their leaders. If you can do all of those things well, you're going to be a great leader.
0: Oh, great. Let's have some, some some thoughts here. First, My first one is there's so much discussion these days around showing vulnerability as a leader and actually admitting you don't have all the answers, where you've just mentioned, you know, be a rock, uh, know the direction that you're going in, almost giving the impression that you're, you know what you're doing. But how do you square that off with showing a degree of vulnerability?
1: I think that's where the compassion comes in. And it's, it's a fair point, you're right, because if you're this entirely resolute person, yeah. that could be very appealing. But also you need to show a humanity, don't you? You need to show the human side. And I think having compassion, We well, actually we all need to start with having compassion for ourselves because leadership is uh, an increasingly lonely role particularly in bigger companies isn't it
0: I don't know if it needs to be Kevin we hear this quite often but I think when my perspective would be when you're really working closely with your team and your your team you're treating your team with empathy and compassion and those things it doesn't necessarily need to be feel so So you can't
1: you can't go to someone in your team and sort of cry on their shoulder can you
0: no, I guess not, but you will have contemporaries that you can
1: you will. engage with. You will. Gallup have a great uh, way of describing this. They um, they ask uh, people, actually, have you got a best friend at work? That's a nice way of describing it. It Isn't is, it? You can yeah. Get, but your best friend shouldn't be in your sales team, for instance. We're talking about sales teams. Yeah. Because you, you, there's going to come a time when you're going to have to make a decision about that person. Yes. That, that that could be a critical decision. And if you're too close to them emotionally, you're not going to be able to have that, that, that sort of distance, are you?
0: Could we talk about that in a little bit more detail, Kevin? I think this is quite an important point. And I yeah. think people struggle with getting the balance right here with having friends, but not even with customers. You know, your clients can become your friends. But just putting that kind of balance in place, that in case you need to make those tough decisions... So I've been really interested to hear how you might recommend somebody handles that.
1: Well, I I think I'm accurately quoting a leader who hasn't got, he's not the most popular these days, Tony Blair. Mm -hmm. Actually, the most successful leader of the Labour Party ever. Ten years as Prime Minister, uh, with a few issues around that we won't go into now, I guess, but... I think he said, you can be a friendly leader, but you can't be a friend. And I think that's probably the right way of putting it. You can be a friendly leader, but you still have to maintain some distance on critical factors. Right? So that, I think that's probably the best way of, of illuminating that conversation.
0: Have you ever experienced that yourself, where you've had to tread carefully in that area and learnt any lessons?
1: Yes, I think I've probably, I've kind of veered either side. It it is quite hard to get the right balance. It is, it is. No, I agree with you. And particularly, I'll give you, from personal experience, I've launched six software companies into the UK. These would normally be American or four American companies where you're the first boots on the ground and you build up a team, right? And as you hire people, actually some of those critical first hires you're very close to. And trying to scale that and and not step over the line into being too much of a friend it's it's a pretty tough act to balance that's I've probably veered more towards loyalty to the people I hired and in some organizations I think if I was to be really honest shall I be really honest yeah please do sometimes I've been better at pushing up on behalf of my sales team rather than aligning with the leadership level higher up and looking at organizational priorities it's very hard to get that separation in if you really care about your people
0: i i think i can concur with you on that i can concur with you on that because i think loyalty plays a part you lead your team you're loyal to your team they're loyal to you you don't want to let them down
1: it's it's true i'd say looking at it from a sales point of view when i'm coaching sales people you do get the very empathetic salespeople, which is a great thing to have If you really care about your customers it's a wonderful thing to have but you've still got to remember there are two ends of this line one sits right down here with the customer the other one sits with your company and you should always be more than halfway across towards the company side yeah because the company's paying your your wage in the at the end of the day so you've still got to remember who pays who pays the bills focus on results and outcome and that's the thing about selling isn't it it's a tough business and it, you can be dangerous to over sympathize with your sales team I, yeah. I, yeah. I think one of the smartest things to do actually with a sales team is to remove any excuses for underperformance
0: yeah and well, then you can
1: really hold them to account
0: yes absolutely and and to have that in place is, is critical I'd like to ask you. I mean, you're a long and established career in leadership and in sales leadership. Have you got any, had any really big challenges that have really caused you maybe some heartache or some, you you thought, my goodness, how am I going to get through this? Because we know our listeners love to hear about big challenges and how you got through them and how you dealt with them.
1: Yeah, I like uh, Winston Churchill's definition of success have you heard that
0: well I can't remember it if I have heard it and I probably have <laughs> but it, it doesn't sort of stick in my brain to be honest
1: Churchill said success is about moving from one failure to the next with no oh, yes. loss of enthusiasm yes and he's a, he was a great example of that actually in many ways I think my career has been a bit like that to be quite candid the first company I worked for in the tech sector I was so excited about this organization I probably would have I'm not sure why I would have put everything on the line for me. I was so committed to this business, and I'd been there for four and a half years. And I was walked into my boss's office and given a cheque for nine hundred quid, and that was my redundancy payoff after four and a half years. Mm. And it, it, being so being made redundant, or you, legally your position being made redundant, of course it doesn't feel like that. It feels very personal, doesn't it? For the first time, was like a train coming down a track and hitting me. It was huge. That, I think, probably made me step back. I mean, it really made me stop and think about what I was doing with my career and trying to balance my priorities. Because actually, to be really candid, I'd probably not been a very good husband at the time to my wife. I was such a workaholic. And it was great to come home and find she was still supporting me, even though she hadn't seen me very often in the four and a half year period I worked for this company. Thereafter, I tried to get some work-life balance. But still, face two more redundancies, working in the tech sector, companies come and go. growth can be great in one organization, and suddenly you can find yourself out on your ear. And I've been on the other side of it as well. these These people decisions, back to our earlier conversation, the people decisions are the hardest ones to make. I've had to lay people off in companies, and I, it's the right thing to do, and i've I've always tried to do it the right way. I mean, I'm talking about making roles redundant. Now, I've also had to sack people, I'm sure you have, in any sales role, mm-hmm. any sales leadership role, you have to face the fact you may have hired the wrong person or not supported them properly, or it's just not the right fit. Those are the toughest things to do, I think, where, where you're talking about people's livelihoods. And actually, especially on the rare occasions when I've had to let people go who are so committed, working so hard, but I think of one or two instances where it was like, this is not going to work for you. just not the right fit for this job and we really ought to be candid about that and do it now i remember driving in the old days when i used to have a remote field sales team driving three and a half hours to sack somebody actually as opposed to doing it over the phone because he was such a good guy such a nice kind decent human being but not not the right fit we'd made a mistake both sides
0: well I don't think those conversations ever get any easier, however many times you unfortunately have to go through it. They don't. Uh, No, No. they're they're always tough. Yeah, they
1: are, absolutely.
0: But I think it relates to your comment earlier that we always have to do what's right for the business.
1: Yes. I mean, we're not running a social club. (laughs) No. I mean, selling, for me, selling is, it's a profession it's one that I, I would wish people, salespeople particularly, would invest more time in being more professional. I know you feel that as well. Mm-hmm. You're a very, I mean, this is a, as a compliment, Rebecca, a really professional salesperson, very analytical, but very thoughtful. But I mean, I, I see the work that you do. And, and I think it's, you know, it, it it's it's encouraging that we've still got people out there saying, let's be professional about what we do. So it is a profession we're not rocket science scientists, we're not brain surgeons, but you still need to pay attention to what you're doing. And it can be tough. I mean, it's very goal driven. It's very, um, it requires a lot of focus, doesn't it? That's the thing about sales. I think if there's a difference between being a sales leader and being a regular leader, if you like, uh, my own view, and I'd be interested in your views on this, as a sales leader, I think you also need some mastery some real mastery of the discipline of selling. So you need to have two polarities. You need to be to be a great sales leader. I think you probably need to be at least a pretty good salesperson. And you need to have the great leadership skills as well. It's quite demanding. And as you say, you, you can't afford to get too close to your team, but you still need to help them be motivated.
0: How do we ever manage, Kevin, with all of those challenges? Well,
1: I would say, of course, without going into some cheesy commercial for my coaching <laughs> business, that's everybody needs a coach. Yeah, and, and you know, because I'm such a great sports fan, I can see the role of coaching on the sports field. In business, it's certainly in the sales field. It's still, I wouldn't say it's in its infancy, but that's that's where coaching comes in, really. If we if you want to be the best. You've got to invest a lot of time in practicing and improving your skills and knowledge and self-awareness and get some help.
0: I often use the sports analogy as well, Kevin, when um, I'm doing coaching because people might say, well, why do I need it? And I say, look at the top, top tennis players. They have coaches and they're at the top of their game. Absolutely.
1: absolutely. It's,
0: it's to give that different perspective, isn't it? And to be the sounding board and all yeah. of those things that that come with being Being a coach. So I'm with you on that 100%. Now, let's take a a slightly different track here. Let's say we have some aspiring leaders listening to this uh, episode. And I'd like to hear your three top tips that you would share with them to become the best leaders that they can be. Now, they may be stepping into sales or they may be stepping into some other form of leadership, what what three tips would you give them?
1: I would say, well, let's let's assume that you're moving into a new sales leadership role in a growing tech company, which is the people that I deal with. Okay. The, the first thing I would say is seek first to understand. It's one of Stephen Covey's seven yeah. habits. Mm-hmm. Seek first to understand and then be understood. If I was going to a new sales leadership role, I'd want to first understand the culture of that company understand what their strategy is and what execution looks like for them so those those three things and that, so that was just one thing
0: <laughs> okay and that was one that was three that things was in one,
1: one. seek okay. first to understand culture strategy and execution yeah next thing is value the difference in your people the difference yeah. in your people if you understand that kevin's different using as an example my Clifton strengths from Gallup then it'll help you understand that I'm not really being difficult I'm just different so value the difference in your people vive la difference as the french say rebecca i don't know how many french speakers you've had on this uh, on this podcast
0: uh, not many not, <laughs> ma- not many as good as you <laughs>
1: not many as good as me the, the 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 third thing is you need to invest time in your own development, I've found reading books about great leaders enormously beneficial. And I, I don't just mean people like Winston Churchill and all these other great leaders that most of us venerate. I've read books recently. Um, actually, one of the most interesting ones I read was um by the guy that the pilot that landed the plane on the Hudson, flight 451.
0: Well, I've watched the you know film, that, but that, but I haven't.
1: Uh, Miracle on the Hudson, fantastic yeah. book. Read books about great leaders. Ask yourself this, this question. What sacrifices have they made? When I read Nelson Mandela's book, The Long Walk to Freedom, we all see him as this great leader, wonderful, wonderful man, which he, which he was. But if you talk to his children about their experience of him as a father, he won't be very honest about it in the book. He sacrificed his family for his country. Amazing man. So You have to make sacrifices if you wanna be a great leader. You're gonna have to think about that. What price are you prepared to pay?
0: What price have you paid?
1: I think to the detriment of my family quite often, less so now actually, but certainly earlier in my career. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of my kids when when, uh, they were growing up. And it's actually very nice now to be in a position where I've got more time to be with them. But actually, people will never say, the, the dying man on his deathbed does not say bring me the widescreen TV, right? It's not about the things you've accumulated in your life. It's about the relationships that you've got and the experiences that you have and what you've actually given back to justify them. I try and wake up every day, when something happens to me, I try and think, well, you know, most people think, why do bad things happen to me? I kind of wake up in the morning and go, why do good things happen to me? Why do I deserve this? I have been very lucky. And heck, you should be grateful for that.
0: So do you practise gratitude every day?
1: I don't do a gratitude statement, I probably should. But I I think I do actually, but I keep a, a little sort of a little black book over here of notes and things that I that I've scribbled down that I should be grateful for.
0: I'd like to just ask a little bit more about sacrifices that leaders make and you've made sacrifices. Likewise, I've done the same. Do you think that's really essential these days for a great leader to make family sacrifices?
1: It's it's fashionable. It used to be fashionable to talk about the work life balance, didn't it?
0: Yeah.
1: I think if you're smarter than I was, actually, even then, a work life balance n- never really makes any sense. The, the truth is, look, I know you've got you've got family, haven't you? If your if your son phoned you, you left your phone on now, and he needed to speak to you straight away, you'd drop everything for it. You'd drop this podcast and everything, wouldn't you? And of course, mm-hmm. I would fully understand that. So, it, there's not really a balance. Sometimes your work is super important, and sometimes your home life has got to take priority. I think the new phrase now is work life integration. And because we, we're now in a situation where we can choose to work remotely. So, as a good example, in the old days, I had to go to an office to get stuff done. I had to spend a lot of time in a car because we didn't have all these wonderful tools that we've got now we we didn't have zoom that you and i are using at the moment there is a better opportunity now probably to have more integration between those two things but obviously sacrifices still have to be made yeah of course they do
0: yeah so there is much more a uh, work life integration and leaders are much more aware of this and i think they are we are considering that when we're working with our teams so I my my sense is that great leaders understand their teams at an individual level and understand the pressures that they might be facing at home. We bring that that's more open now than it ever used to be. It was
1: oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's, that, that's for sure. look the whole the whole topic of mental health. I was recording a podcast a couple of days ago that will go out on the Sales Code podcast talking about. Mental health for salespeople—that was never a topic when I started selling, not remotely. You, yeah, we we still don't really talk. I mean, look, I, 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 I was, I'm happy to share now. Shared on that podcast, I've suffered from degrees of anxiety most of my life. You you, you probably wouldn't know it, right? I I know it started when I was a schoolboy, actually, and you probably wouldn't really. Know, and I, it it probably gives me a lot of drive. I've got this enormous need to be productive because it's kind of a distraction from worrying about stuff I'd rather do something than worry about it but the the truth is that yes mental health is an issue and we do we do have to remember that people bring themselves to work let people bring themselves to work and you have to understand that they you know they're going to bring themselves to work sometimes they're going to bring stuff that's going to interfere with the work that they might do on that day but if you've got good people they'll more than make up for any loyalty you show them by being understanding
0: and I think adding to that, if you've got good leaders, they'll understand that.
1: They will. Yeah. They will. But again, see, that's what I love about the Strengths Finder. This is a shortcut way of really figuring out what is unique and special about individuals and also what needs they have. Yeah. So, if you, you know, that's why I think it's such a great thing to have. I wish I'd found that. Well, I found it seven years ago. I think it's been around for 20 years. So I so I'd wish, wish I'd had this say of secret code to understand what's great about people and unique about them 20 or 30 years ago when I started selling.
0: So as we draw to a, a close, Kevin, what? let's just recap on what you think makes a great sales leader. Let's really focus in on sales. You've given us some um, thoughts beforehand about great leadership. But do you think there's something even more specific about being a great sales leader? And you have touched on some of these things. But just to bring this to a, bring this to a summary, bring this to a close.
1: The difference with, with selling, as you know, as well as I, Rebecca, is that it's always very numbers driven. It's always very target oriented. The quarter starts again as soon as the last one's finished. It's a pretty relentless yeah. business the sales cycle and you have to be aware of that I think that's why I said earlier again if you look at football there are very few examples of great football managers that haven't been at least pretty decent football players and I, so you need to have been able to grasp that discipline of selling now the people I work with are generally it's even tougher than that now they are the revenue leaders so sales and marketing because those two things are getting closer together You need an understanding of both of those disciplines. And you need to add add on top of that, being a great leader, self-awareness, courage, and a belief in humanity. We've got an opportunity now because of all these tech tools, because I'm a tech enthusiast as well, right? Because of all the tech tools coming in, we can liberate salespeople to be human salespeople again, human-centred selling. I'm something I'm a, a great advocate for. And therefore, you really need to understand people. If you don't understand people, shouldn't be in the business.
0: Shouldn't be in sales, shouldn't be a leader. Not,
1: no, you should not. There are plenty yeah. of other jobs out there. That's fine. I yeah. know loads of people. Some of my some of my friends don't. They, they're not salespeople. They don't want to be in that. They don't want to be doing that. My daughter, actually, great example of that. Super person, but you want to be doing this kind of work. No. Well, that's fine. There's lots of other lots of other exciting roles out there for you. You
0: know, I, I say to people about sales that unless you've experienced it, you'll never appreciate how difficult it is. And you I, I disagree with your point so much that if you want to lead a sales team, you've got to have been through it and understand the knocks, the amount of resilience that you need to have, the focus and drive on those results. If you haven't been through it, it's hard to understand. And I think it's probably one of the most difficult roles in the business because if you're in accounts, you get the work coming to you. For in operations, the work comes to you. But if you're in in sales and business development, you've got to go make it happen. You You have have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders.
1: Nothing happens until something gets sold. Yeah. It is a tough business. You get an enormous amount of rejection. Starting my own business, actually, then you realise how tough it is. I've worked for some great companies where actually I wouldn't say the product sold itself, but it had done more than half the work. Now, I'm really selling my own service and my own products, and that's hard. And it's, e- easy to, it's easy to take it personally when you get rejection, even when you've been selling as long as I have.
0: Well, because it's that personal engagement, isn't it? You feel that you've been personally being rejected, but we I'm sure you're resilient and get over that.
1: Yeah, I, I remember listening to an, act, an, an actor on uh, Desert Island Disc, which is one of my favourite radio shows. And acting is that enormous rejection where you you stand up, you're judged on a daily basis as you go for auditions. Mm-hmm. Selling is a bit like that, and you yeah. you need to have a bit of a thick skin. I think I've probably always had a relatively thick skin, but again, it can't be too thick because then, then frankly, you're just thick, aren't you? <laughs> You've got that. No- <laughs> You've got no empathy with people if you're exactly. too much like a rhino hide.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And empathy and building rapport are all essential aspects of being great at sales.
1: Absolutely. Kevin, yeah. how
0: can people get best get in touch with you? I know you're on LinkedIn. And we well, all, you're anyone,
1: li- there's really anyone, one Kevin Teeler. I don't know how many Rebecca Jenkins there are. It's probably a few. Uh,
0: not as good as me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true yeah you can find me on on LinkedIn Thiel is an unusual name it's a German name it is spelled T-H-I-E-L-E find me on LinkedIn I'll be delighted to have a conversation with you about great sales leaders and great sales teams
0: well we connected through LinkedIn it's a great place to build relationships just shows what can can be done yeah through that platform
1: absolutely it does
0: So we will put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes and people can have a chat with you there, find out more about strengths and the sales code.
1: Absolutely. The secret sales code.
0: code. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin. uh, Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we say goodbye?
1: I think the only thing I would say is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Look after yourself
0: sound advice thank you Kevin it's It's been great to have you
1: thank you Rebecca I really enjoyed it
0: thank you so much thank you for listening to our podcast and as always if you enjoyed it we welcome a review and if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us you can do that at the rjen.co.uk website